Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? It is I, Van Lathan. And it's me, Rachel Lindsay. It's time for Higher Learning. We were just talking about mohair. Mohair. Down in Baton Rouge on Burbank, man. Mohair. You know what's crazy? I think mohair moved. Mo- I, felt, I feel like mohair used to be on Gardeer. And by the way, you guys have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, for some can reason. you give them a little background on what mo- mohair is? M- mohair is a salon that existed in the area that I grew up of, in, grew up in in Baton Rouge. And for some reason, we were talking about, because uh, one of our producers, Trudy, she got brand new hair did. And I was fresh like... Fresh press. Fresh press. When the girls would get their hair did, I would sing the mohair song for them when they, when they got on the bus because mohair was where they went. And then I looked up mohair. Mohair is still open. That is so amazing that mohair is still open after all of these years. Mohair was open when I was in middle school. Next time you um you go back home, you should visit. You should tell them about the song. Maybe you now that they've grown, they've gotten bigger. Maybe they're in the in the mood to advertise. Maybe yeah. you know you know what I'm saying. Like yes. you can help them out a little bit. Mohair. I got my hair cut at Mohair one time. Oh, they cut hair too. Okay, so it's, they were right. also they would have a barber in there sometimes. But then what happened was. The barbers that were in Mohair, they then left Mohair and started their own barbershop. And I can't remember what the name of the barbershop Mo was. Mo Cuts. It wasn't Mo Cuts because they were branching. <laughs> what would that be genius? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, branched off. It was something. It was, it was Orlando and all of those guys that were over there cutting hair. And uh, I, I remember... Just going by there, my dad would be in there. And my dad would be in there getting his haircut. Didn't even tell me he was going to get his haircut. I'm running around here, you know, looking crazy on top of my head. My dad's in there with a fresh lineup. That's how they, that's how they do you. That's how your pops do you. Where did you get your hair done as a kid? <laughs> I, we we didn't have a name. Our place didn't have a name. We went to somebody's house. Her name was Miss Sandra. We Ms. go Sandra. in there. We get our hair pressed. Um to this day, I still feel like I have bad memories from Miss Sanders because I'm tender-headed. You know what I mean? So she would yeah. take that hot comb. She'd heat it up on that stove. I'd have to lay my head like a little bit in her lap. She would press my hair, flip it to the other side. I would scream. I would cry. And then as soon as I was done, I was, I was looking cute. My mom says that I screamed and cried to an embarrassing age. But the day a boy came in the shop, I never cried again. Wow. That's all it took. Wow, that's very interesting. That's extremely interesting. You didn't want to, you wanted to maintain the sexy while you was in there. At a young age. At a young age. So is the reason, are there religious reasons why you didn't go to a shop (laughs) where you went to somebody's house? Was this a thing? (laughs) No. Why would that be why why did that have to be a religious thing? I don't know. You know, it was it was convenient. I don't know. I think. I, I don't know how my mom knew her or family or whatever, but it was like, hey, Miss Sandra does hair. We're going to go to Miss Sandra's. I guess yeah. it was for a good price. My mom used to do my sister's hair. Uh, and it was, I would watch it. And it was uh, it was interesting because sometimes, you know, my sister's hair defeated a mini comb. <laughs> I'm not going to have this conversation with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna let you do your sister like this. I'm not. I'm. Not, I can't even imagine what it was like to be in the household with you as a kid, to be like riding the mom. bus with you, to be, mom, be doing Ebony's hair. All you see is 
comb needles. Pew, 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 pew. No, no, no. <laughs> Ebony, if you ever want to come on the podcast and refute this story, we are more than willing to have you. I'm not going to let him do you like this. I haven't even mm. had the pleasure to meet Ebony. I'm not going to let you do Ebony let me tell like you something that. About, let me tell you something about Ebony Lathan. There is not a more genuine, loving, talented, when I say talented, my big sister is talented, beautiful, loving, talented, empathetic, real person that you'll ever meet is my sister, Ebony. Just an amazing human being. You better make up for that story Mm -hmm. you just told. And she is like Floyd Mayweather when it comes to these combs, undefeated. (laughs) (laughs) Like undefeated. She got locks now. And that's not because she tried to grow the locks. It's just because her stop, hair just went. Stop, Fuck. stop, <laughs> We're not going to do this. We're not. <laughs> We're not. Oh, love her to death. Love her to death. Love her to death. My hair's all fucked up, too. Look, look, look it's not well, all we, fucked up. We saw, like, call yourself up. out. Don't call out, Ebony. Did you, it looks like you, wait, it looks like you got a haircut. Nah, I just brushed that shit. I brushed you that. Brushed yeah, you brushed it back. Yeah, brushed it back. Yeah, brushed it back. My, um, mm-hmm. my mother has beautiful hair. All hair is beautiful, by the way. All, All hair is beautiful. Thank you. Let's let's, let's start there. Some hair is easier on combs than others. That's it. You know, all hair is beautiful, though. Uh, what have you been up to this week, Rach? What's been going on? I've had a really busy week. Work is picking up. I feel like I had last week off. It's just I've just been working, working, working. Interviews, interviews, interviews. Which I have a question for you. So you know, I'm in the middle of um, the Falcon in the Winter Storm. I've been interviewing that cast. Soldier. You you know that's not the name of the show. Soldier, soldier, soldier. I, I, no, okay. no, 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 no. I, I keep saying Get on with Winter Storm. Get on with it. So I'm interviewing these people. I have no idea what I'm talking about. You realize about, okay? The Falcon and the Winter Storm is a completely different show. It's a show oh, about Oh, it really a bird. is something? It, no, it's no. Think about the name. The Falcon and the Winter Storm. <laughs> that's a show about a bird in bad weather. That's what it's about. A cold bird. Trying to survive so in bad weather. I this, thought, like, because Anthony Mackey's the Falcon, I just thought the Winter Storm was re- referring to the other white lead. Why would he be the Winter Storm? That's racist well, win- as hell. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. I thought it was like compl- a, I thought it was like a uh, um, like a superhero name, like Storm. Okay, I'm not far fetched. That's not far fetched. Storm is a superhero name. Winter Storm. I thought they were trying to maybe differentiate. Don't do me. There's there's logic behind I it. I got you. Got you. Anyways, so, I had to interview with David. Brule, uh, Daniel Brule. Oh, Baron Zima. Uh, and um, uh, Emily Van Camp. Yes. And so as I'm talking to them, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but it right. all sounds very interesting. I ask myself, because you're in, you're deep in the MCU. Deep, deep. If I was going to start mm-hmm. with something in the MCU, beginner, beginner here, where would I start? Because I'm origi- starting to get interested in it. The original Iron Man is the movie to start. You just start with the first film. Wait, like um, Robert Downey Jr.? hmm That's how quickly it started? I mean, I guess the comic books before, but that's the first time we no, saw something you're, on... No, you're, you're done as far as the comic books are concerned. There's too much story. No, you're I would Iron never Man. start with the comic books. Yeah. I'm just surprised that the first movie was Iron Man. I've seen Iron That was Iron the first Man. one. Yes, the first one in the MCU. Okay, now, so that's what's not next? The first, I've seen that's that. That's not the first movie chronologically. The first movie chronologically in the MCU... Uh, wouldn't be that it, you know it's interesting like because maybe Thor takes place no no it would be Captain like, America the first Avenger you Captain America a, the first Avenger would be the would be the first movie if you went chronologically in the you should make a, like a guide for me 
You know, like no. uh no. to to like <laughs> All right. See, I tried. I'm trying to take an interest in the it, things that you're that you're interested in. And you won't help me out. It, the reality is that they, these things happen on the, the like you know what you're asking me? You you're treating me like uh white people treat black people like give me a book to read. Give me a book don't, to don't read. Don't you dare compare give me a, it to say give me a, it's give me not a book. even close. What fan fan? Like, uh, call me. I didn't ask you. I didn't ask you to give me four hundred years of history. About no, I didn't ask for that. uh, uh, Put me on speaker and tell all my friends why blackface is wrong again. You said the best. Click, click. You know what? Fine, I take it back. I'll just stay in the place that I am. Stay. Ain't nobody ask you to come over. I've just been a little interested because I've been interviewing these people and it's just so popular and I want to see what the hype is. Stay. We will be watching Black Widow in theaters, and you can watch Why Did I Get Married too. Or, and that already came out. Stop. I know, or whatever, like whatever oh, so you want to watch. Reruns. Okay. Shout out to Tyler, to Tyler Perry, by the way. I love his films. Anyways, um, I but, interviewed them. Yeah. I interviewed John Stamos for a, the a new TV series that I saw they him. have. I saw he got a new TV show. It's actually for me. It was I was interested in it because it's about a high, him. He's like this failed college coach. He goes back to coach a high school team, all girls team. So it was that was interesting. <laughs> Next, um, I interviewed Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, that's an interesting one right there. Very, very interesting talk about the similarities between the role that he played as Abby Hoffman versus uh, Borat. Um, who else did I talk to? Iyanla Fixed My Life. Iyanla Van Zandt Fixed My Life. I thought her name was Ilyana. So it? I thought it was Iyanla. Iyanla, yeah. It is Iyanla, apparently. She didn't grow up with it being that. It's just that now that she got some clout. Okay, well, whatever it is. Her seat fixed my life. This is the last season. She changed it. Had oh, it's the last season? Last season. How, but how can that be the last season? As if there are not more lives to fix. She said she feels like the show has... Like, it's done all of its can. I think mm. she's just kind of like, it's at the end of the road. She's not going to stop doing what she's doing, but the show right. is over. Yeah. You so know I what I would to- like to do? I would like to do a sh- the opposite show. I could be the host. Mess, mess, F up your life. Van, fuck my life. That's a great show. Like people no, who have it all. People who have People who have it all going for them. They got high credit scores. And I just come over and be like, Van, how you gonna fuck up my life today? Yo, give me your credit card. Come on. That sounds too easy. It's fun. And the only and person you, you, who benefits from that is you. But let's see. Is your life stable enough? To give me 24 hours to fuck your life. Let's explore this a bit. Because there would have to be boundaries, right? Like, what's the boundaries? Okay, because you just said, give me your credit card and let me fuck up your life. Right. There got to be boundaries, right? You can only spend a certain amount of money. You can only buy a certain amount of of cars, one house, whatever it may be, this amount of clothing. This is a great idea, I'll be honest with you. Because you can't, most of these things, you can only do so much damage. Like I could so like spend, max out credit cards. Yeah, I could spend all of somebody's money in one day. It I could depends do, how much money they have. If they got a, if even if they have five hundred thousand bucks, I can't spend all of that in one day. That's a lot of money. I know. So, Maybe so, if I so, took it to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Think about it. Maybe people are uh, people are crazy enough to let you do that. Van Lathan, fuck my life. I'll do it. Of course I you do. would. You don't lose anything. You lose nothing. Matter of fact, you gain a check. 
for a new TV show. Meanwhile, you just messed up these people's lives and you just idea. walk away. Some people need some pain in their lives, man. They okay. do. Some people need some pain in their lives. I- I'm happy for if people. If you could who- pick one celebrity's life to fuck up, whose would it be? The Rock. Wow, you didn't even think about that. So we- we've been thinking about this for a while. Okay. Easy, easy. The Rock. Is there a reason? Uh, first of all, there's just doesn't seem to be anybody more stable than The Rock. Mm. I don't. I think The Rock is Teflon. Like The Rock, it would be a challenge to fuck up The Rock's life, right? You know what I mean? It he might ch- do that if it he be, goes into politics, it, like it he's may, saying. It, he might do that. It's interesting about this. Real quick, I, as an aside, number one, I do think it's The Rock. I think The Rock is so stable. His image is so ironclad. You know what I mean? Uh, it would have been Will Smith, but he's had some turmoil recently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's The Rock. Um, what do you think about 46% of Americans saying that they would support The Rock running for president? I say I'm not surprised by that when I see that Donald Trump made it into the presidency. Dwayne Johnson does not have the history. You know what I mean? The experience when it comes to politics, I have no idea what his knowledge is. He seems to be very vocal and involved. But I think that people are so pushed to the points where they don't want to do what's traditional, where they don't want to see the same old, same old, that I'm not surprised that 46% of the country, I don't know who they were polling, uh, is interested in seeing The Rock as the president. Not at all. That's how Donald Trump got into office. People wanted somebody who wasn't, quote, a politician, right? And that what they kept saying. He's not your typical politician. He's different. He's yeah. not like the rest. Are you surprised? I'm not surprised. I, I think it's eventually going to be the downfall of American society. Notoriety culture, fame culture, pop culture means that um, people want more... They want what's familiar more than they want what's... uh, Right? Yeah. They want... Look, I don't know whether or not it's wrong or right, The Rock being the president. The Rock might make a fantastic president, but I can tell you that on average, most Hollywood celebrities probably wouldn't because it just takes a tremendous dedication to your country and a tremendous understanding and uh, devotion to the human experience to be a good leader of uh, of that many people with that much you know, to have that much power. Um, and we saw what somebody who's selfish or self-involved or self-interested can do when they are the president. Right? We saw that. Um, yes. And by definition, being a Hollywood celebrity means that you're normally that way. Because mm-hmm. everything in your life is about you. Every situation in your life is you. How, where are you going? Who are you going to talk to? What is, you know, it's very rare that you, that you do something that's not surrounding your brand. And yeah. the, the Rock, over, the overwhelming evidence is that The Rock is a really, really decent guy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it can't be about, <laughs> it can't be popularity over practice. Right. I'd rather see him start on a local level than just jump to straight wanting to be the president. At the same time, it's America, you know, and America is supposed to be a country where uh, citizens can go out there and run for president and, you know, be a part of the political process. Obviously, he's a different type of citizen, being that he has a billion dollars. But yeah, it's America. So there you go. Sounds like he's got Vance vote. Nope. (laughs) Want to fuck his life up. (laughs) <laughs> he's got my vote for the for van <laughs> fucks your life up uh, call, uh, show 
<laughs> Man, I come in with some some sunglasses on. It's time to fuck your shit up. <laughs> Man, this could that. really be a show. Um, how was your week? It was cool. Let me see what's happened this week. Uh, get I down. saw you got an award. You got an award. Oh yeah, the Afro yeah. Award, the African American Film Critics Association. Uh, gave two distant strangers best live action short film. Boom. Very and thank you. This thank podcast, you to everybody at Africa and to Gil. This podcast comes out tomorrow. What also happens tomorrow? The premiere on Friday on Netflix of Two Distant Strangers. Watch it in a world where a young man keeps <laughs> living the same day over and over and over again. Will he get home to his dog? Produced by Six Feet Under from executive producers Kevin Durant, Van Lathan, Sean P. Diddy Combs, Jesse Williams, Nick May, Lawrence Bender, and Mike Conley from the twisted mind of Trayvon Free with expert direction from Martin Desmond Rowe. Also, Samir Hernandez involved. Two distant strangers. Be distant, but don't be a stranger. There it is. Trailer Voice Van. TVV. That I can was do good, a tra- man. That was I good. Do, I can do a trailer for you right now. No, I didn't ask. Uh, I'll do a trailer. I'll do a trailer no, no, for you no, no, right no. now. I, 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 don't, I don't want to hear it. How about this? I didn't give you, I didn't, I didn't consent to this. I didn't give how, permission for how, this. How about, how about this? I'm going to take a vote right now. No. <laughs> Y'all don't turn on for me. The, for, no, 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 no. Not them. Amongst the thought warriors right oh, now. Oh, we already know. <laughs> about whether or not they want me to do a trailer for you. I'm a, You guys listen to the podcast. Do you want me to do a trailer for, for Rachel? You know what the answer was? They just said yes. <laughs> so now I have to do the trailer for Rachel. Man. Who's hearing things now? <laughs> it, it is. Now I have to do this is a this is a trailer for Rachel right here. In a world where the bachelor went through its day-to-day everyday operations without any care for people of color, one hero emerged. Dun 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 Big Wrench. From the minds that brought you Bachelor in Paradise, of the Bachelorette, and Game of Roses, we bring you a harrowing adventure into the heart of culture, arranged marriages, and suspense, (laughs) starring Rachel Lindsay, Brian. And Chris Harrison. What was my music then? Because you because you came in with the doom. Coming this summer. Big Rage. The place where roses die. I'm not hey. bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. All right. 
Khloe Kardashian, I want to let you know that there was a little bit of smoke <laughs> that Rachel gave me over this topic. <laughs> I didn't really want to do this. And Rachel, I was like, I was like, hey, you could do the heavy lifting on this topic because I don't, I could care less. And Rachel went, yeah, whatever, SMH, all those Kanye topics that we do, I don't really care about those either. And when I looked into the story a little bit more, it uh, it's actually pretty fascinating. So um, <laughs> there was a picture of Khloe Kardashian that got leaked, I guess. The picture got leaked. Right. Somebody uploaded it by accident. Accident. Mm-hmm. Accidental upload. Mm-hmm. Just to say on its face, very tough to do. I guess they thought it was okay to post. Oh, to that's the accident. Oh, yeah, they thought it was okay. And she did not give permission for that picture to be public. So the picture was unedited. And I'm looking at the picture right now. It looks <laughs> just fine. Just uh, fine. Like the picture was unedited. And I guess that sent the Kardashian brass into a tailspin. Uh, about trying to punish the guilty parties, trying to get the picture wiped away from everywhere. Um, and it made Khloe Kardashian open up a little bit more about her body image issues and, you know, what she goes through as a woman in public eye that has to deal with these issues. She actually said, in response to this entire thing, she said... Uh, it's almost unbearable trying to live up to the impossible standards that the public has set for her. She, uh, she said me, I'm saying her. She posted this statement about how she deals with her body image issues. Uh, and she also posted another video proving that what was sent out was an unedited video. Okay. You felt very, very strongly about this particular topic. Um, what's your take? Well, just to give more background, you didn't really care to talk about it. And I think that you were looking at this more from a Kardashian narrative, which I understand, not my go-to conversation either. And I was saying it's a bigger picture of social media, of body images, and just the effects that it has on particularly women to live up to unrealistic standards. And what I find most interesting at the time that we had this conversation through text, Chloe had yet to respond. And what I... And what I find, and she since has responded in a very long uh, message on social media. And what I find interesting is she's making herself a victim almost in a world and culture that the Kardashians are responsible for. If not the creators of it, they definitely are responsible for perpetuating this type of cult, this school of thought, this practice. And now you're being... What school of thought is that? Well, just the fact that there's like they talk about, oh, there's just so pressure to be perfect and perfect. But it's like, you guys, you've built an entire empire on perfection. You continue to edit your pictures and Photoshop them. You've been called out on that multiple times. And not only you started this and then all these influencers have picked up on this type of practice and it's multiplied and multiplied. And now you have countless influencers who are populating social media feeds with this image to get this Kardashian effect. When the reality is people are trying to emulate something and chasing a goal that they can't even achieve themselves. It's a goal that doesn't really exist. The Kardashians edit themselves to look so fake and so plastic. They might as well be animated figures. That's how I feel. I mean, it's and, and as you and I talk about this, we understand that they're edited. 
They're Photoshop. They don't right. necessarily look that way. But it might not be common sense for the women that are their very audience who are so impressionable. For these fans that laud and praise them, they may not get it to the level that we do. And then it makes these young women try to go after something that they can never have, making us have these desirable or, or making us desire these unrealistic standards. And I think that it makes people feel bad and self-conscious about their own bodies. And like mental health professionals have talked about this, how having they have concerns of normalizing these unattainable standards. And that's what I feel like the Kardashians create. And I think the thing, what was upsetting to me is this could have been such a powerful moment for Chloe, right? This could have been a moment. The picture, she looked great. She lo It's the most normal we've seen her look. She didn't have the tan. She didn't have like, the the chiseled features she didn't have the smoothness going she looked normal and i thought she looked beautiful and i just feel like you can't call yourself a victim and say that you felt you looked beautiful in that picture but then go on social media and strip not really strip but you know like show herself did you see this no she showed herself on social media with just, she was like in her underwear. She was covering up her, her breast and she uh -huh. was like jumping up and down, showing her body. Then she was doing an IG live and she was like, this is a, not a photoshopped video. And it's like, if you were, if you felt you looked beautiful in that, then why are you now doing all of this on social media to prove to people what you really look like when that was you? You know what huh. I'm saying? Why are you giving us this photo, this unphotoshopped? video when we just saw an unphotoshopped picture of you. It's honestly very, very sad that they feel the need to constantly prove themselves to all these people that they don't know. But I just, I think what was upsetting is the idea that she's trying to be a victim for us, for a world that she created when she could have taken this as a moment to really be an example, to embrace your body and to love your body for what it is. I mean, Chloe, Chloe's a beautiful person. I mean, we saw the video. So I don't know. It was just upsetting. And I think it was a bigger conversation about body image and the pressure that women have to look and be a certain way. Uh, so do you think it's fair to blame the Kardashians for America being stuck on an unattainable beauty standard? I think that they play a part in it. I'm not going to say that they have the entire blame, but absolutely, I think that they play a part in people having these unrealistic goals and 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 uh, expectations of what they're supposed to look like. And this Chloe situation proves it. This woman went to bat. Like, I'm not to bat, but this woman went, as you said, a tailspin her legal team trying to pull down a photo because it didn't fit what their expectation of beauty is. Right. That The action of what that legal team took to get this ripped down from all of social shows that that doesn't fit their image of beauty. Because if it did, you wouldn't have a problem with it. So the, I guess my only problem with it is that uh, if it wasn't them, it would be somebody else. In the 90s, that, that standard of beauty was largely set by, like, the Victoria's Secret Angels. It was the, models, the, right. the age of the supermodel, right? And it was Heidi Klum and 
uh, Tyra Banks, Cindy Crawford, and all of those people, right? All of those ladies were, were the, it was a whole era, guys. It was a whole era. Kathy Ireland and all of those people. It was an entire era of that. Now, I was just a little guy running around at that point, so I don't really have as much knowledge on how that beauty standard affected women, but I certainly saw it, right? The, you know, the catalogs came to the house, the Sports Illustrated stuff was, it was huge. It was a big deal. It was a huge, gigantic deal. And Kardashians are no Kardashians. If the standard of American beauty remains some version of perfection, there'll be somebody else to come along and brand it and make a lot of money from That's it. That's fine. But right now, this is who's doing it. I, but I don't, I don't, and I'm really interested in what the audience is going to think about this. I think that Chloe scrambled because it's part of her brand to look a certain way. To look perfect. Right. Well, yeah, to look as good as she possibly can. So I guess the question is, does, where, I guess what I'm asking, and I'm asking it sincerely. Yeah. Is that there's an unattainable beauty standard that women have to adhere to, that people have to adhere to. Nah, fuck that. That women have to adhere to, right? On TV, the King of Queens is married to Leah Remini. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's a, there's, a, there's like a statement there. I got you. And by the way, mm-hmm. that's not me saying anything about Kevin James. It's just saying this stuff means more for women than it does for men. I think everybody says that. I just think that, and I don't know if it's fair to make them the, I don't, it's definitely not fair for her to cry about, I don't even want to say that, it's definitely not fair for her to, she definitely makes a living off of this, right? Um, it's almost like LeBron James having a bad game. Like your, 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 your brand as LeBron James is having a good game. Of course you're going to re- react poorly to the criticism when you have a bad game. Of course she's going to react poorly to the criticism when she's off her game. But it, to me, I don't know if, I, I don't think they created the standard of American beauty that, I think patriarchy did, right? Well, in the example that you just give about, or you just gave about criticism, uh, if LeBron James has a bad game, that's the thing. Khloe Kardashian didn't get criticism for the unphotoshopped picture she posted. People loved it. They were praising her for it, saying, you look so great. She had a flat stomach. She she was curvy. People were like, wow, it's so good to see you looking, you know, like, like normal, like yourself. That's some that's some expectation that Chloe has placed on her. That's her own insecurities coming out because they have family. They have they have built an entire brand off of looking a certain way. That's why they're all morphing literally into having the same body for the most part. That is their standard of beauty. That's what they've created their millions now billions on. And I'm not, and I'm, and I'm, so I'm not giving them the sole blame, but I'm saying, yeah, there is a level of responsibility. Girls, young girls are wanting to look like Kim Kardashian. Well, Kim Kardashian did some things to achieve that look. Kim Kardashian doesn't always look like that. She has her team fix up her photos. And so there is this unrealistic standard of beauty that people are trying to achieve that they're never going to get because it's not real. And I think that that's the bigger conversation that was coming out of this because we saw for the first time, and I don't even know how long, 
Chloe look like Chloe. Yeah. Well, I mean, my thing with that is that is that's definitely true. Their brand is to sell you enhancements. They sell you the body shaper stuff. They sell you the makeup. They sell you all of those things so you can look, look like them. Like them, look whatever they think is better or whatever like that. I don't have any problem with any of that. What I'm, well, I guess what I'm saying is that that's always existed. Correct. Like, and, 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 and so I, I guess my thing is, and I'll ask a question directly, whose responsibility is it to change the beauty standard? That's a good question. I mean, when you go back into the 90s, it was this, you bring up the models, but it was the pressure to be thin, Right to be thin and you had a lot of women who were trying to do what they could to look like a supermodel and be have their body look like that. Somewhere along the line, it changed to having that curvy Kim Kardashian. But Kim, not just Kim, though. Kim, Beyonce, all of that stuff. It, but, it came in. It okay. came into a deal. Like, but let's but, be honest. But no, but a black I, I, woman isn't going to lead what the standard of beauty is. Uh, but was, they, 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 they definitely won't. But what I what I'll say is Really, and and to me, the rise of hip hop culture, also being mainstream culture, sure. has a lot to do with this. Because all throughout the two thousands, when hip hop was becoming pop, the women were in, in those videos were Ketoy Johnson and Buffy the Body and right. Summer Walker. And so Esther women had Baxter. been looking like that. Who they, was who they, became the look? Who be, who made it popular? Who made so it mainstream? They they made it mainstream because they were the mainstream people. But what I'm saying is the beauty standard itself, there's a lot of reasons why it changed. I'm not saying that there's a... The Kardashians, really, to be honest with you, were trying to look more like those girls. I know. That's my point. These white folks don't know who Buffy the body is. I know. Well, they might not know her by name, but they... Definitely. No, but my point is, is when it became, when videos. it crossed over, when it became popularized, when it became mainstream to where it was dipping into another audience, it was the Kardashians that took it there. I, I, my po- I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that there's, I have necessarily a problem with who's making money off the beauty standard, right? I, have I, a problem. Say, I don't either. I, I have a problem with the fact that there is a beauty standard, period. I and do so, too. And so, but... That beauty standard, I mean, I guess what I say is before is, is my best question, and I don't want to belabor the point too much, but whose responsibility is it to set a realistic beauty standard? Who is it? Because it, certainly the photographers at Sports Illustrated in the 90s, the, the guys who were um, uh, uh, picking the, the Victoria's Secret models, uh, Anna Wintour, who was putting people on the cover of Vogue, certainly I don't think I don't think that that's a priority for people like that I think what they care about is they I think they care about what it is that people want to be because that's what they want to sell so I guess well, who whose responsible is it whose responsibility is it to to like change that well I just want to be clear I don't have a problem with the fact that they make money this is how they make money my issue was don't have that be your brand and then cry when people hold you to the standard of your brand or be a victim when people hold you to what you, to what you created. But I, I when you say, when you say whose responsibility is it, when you have a platform and you have the opportunity to influence people, this was a prime example 
especially when body positivity is a trend now. Yeah. It is a thing to embrace your body and your curves and what's natural. I mean, look at what Lizzo is doing. Mm -hmm. And people support and they uplift that. So this was an example, especially with all the support that Chloe was getting yeah. for the original picture. This was an opportunity for her to play into that. And she didn't. So when you say whose responsibility, it's people who have influential power to do that. Interesting. Interesting. I'll tell you what. I'm, uh, I got body positivity. I'm positive I need to lose some weight. Uh, I'm where are you on your goals? Don't worry about it. Oh. It was more for support. <laughs> I'm losing weight every day. I'm losing weight every day. All right. Uh, very interesting story. So much racism coming out of Warner Brothers. It's crazy. Uh, Jeff Johns, uh, one of the brass over there, Warner Brothers, that controls the DC universe. If you guys don't know what the DC universe is, that is the universe where Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Aquaman, Brainiac. I get it. Sinestro, it's confusing, y'all. It's a lot Green to Lantern, uh, uh, Dead Man, Robin, Nightwing, Doomsday, Lex Luthor. All right. Dark Side, High Father, Joker, Joker, Harley Quinn. Penguin, <laughs> Poison Ivy. Get to the story. <laughs> we get it. You know. You know Green the Arrow, DC universe. Hawkman, Hawkgirl, Lobo. All what does DC stand for? Uh, Detective Comics. Really? Yeah. So uh, Superman was, um, Superman debuted in uh, Action Comics, number one. Action Comics, right? And Batman debuted in Detective Comics, number one, because Batman is the detective, you know, whatever. And uh, I guess after a while, the action comics kind of stopped and it became DC. DC Comics. Okay. Um, so, there's a, there's a guy named Ray Fisher. Ray Fisher played Cyborg in Zack Snyder's Justice League and in the Josh Whedon cut of Justice League, he has alleged about wholesale racism on the set and in the culture of things going on over at DC and Warner Brothers. He's talked about this a lot. Now, if you watch the 2017 version of Justice League, his character Cyborg barely in the movie. Doesn't have a lot to do. All right? They took Zack Snyder away uh, and they, they gutted his character. He has a problem with Josh Whedon. He has a problem with all of these people, right? Not just because of that, but because of the way that they uh, they comported themselves, things that they said to him. His accusations are best read through his voice. He's a very powerful speaker. You can a uh, very powerful writer, very powerful person. You can go there and get him. But he's saying that things were unfair there. Uh, and it's it, it did DC no favors that when Zack Snyder was restored and got to make his version of the movie, that Cyborg was in it a lot more. That maybe some of the problems that Ray Fisher was saying that he had with the people over there, it lent, lent some credence to the fact that they might have been true. Anyway, so throughout this entire time, he had done an interview with the, with the Hollywood Reporter, I think it was. Ray Fisher did. It's a great, great interview. He uncovered a piece of evidence. He, he made an accusation. He said that there's a guy's name, Roger Jean. Reggae Jean. Reggae Jean. Reggae Jean, the guy Reggae Jean Page that you you know as the hot man for <laughs> from Bridgerton, that he 
was going to be cast in a show called Krypton that was about Superman's home planet as Superman's grandfather, but that Jeff Johns said you couldn't make Superman's grandfather black. Didn't want to cast this guy because he was black. Mm-hmm. Now, you have that situation, and then you have this guy go on to become the hottest actor on television, the one of the biggest actors on TV. And it makes you think that he didn't get a chance to become that a couple of years prior because he was black. Now, the character of Superman is white, all right? The character, that's all, the, the way he's always been portrayed, is white. But he comes from a fictional planet in a fictional universe with a bunch of other make-believe shit. So a lot of people are looking at this and, and they're asking if these same old games are being played in Hollywood even today. I guess. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm not trying to be controversial. And let's all know that I don't understand the whole DC universe thing. But this isn't like this is an adaptation, right? This isn't like when they did the live version of The Little Mermaid and we've already seen Ariel's story and we know where she comes from. We know what she looks like. And then they redid this live version of it and they had um, one of the Bailey sisters. I can't remember which name is Hallie. They had Hallie play her. That's different. It was an adaptation. I understand that. Mm. I guess I'm kind of like, I understand because of everything that Ray Fisher has brought to light that people are making this assumption um, or believing that this is actually the same case with Reggae Jean. But if Henry Cavill played Superman and he's white and Russell Crowe played his father, Uh who's white, where are we going to get a black grandfather from? It just doesn't make sense to me. I get that it's a fictional. I get it's fictional. I, I didn't think of it that way until you said it, but I'm still like, okay, so Russell Crowe's supposed to be biracial? I just, I, I just, if we're talking about a storyline, I can see why his granddaddy is white. Uh-huh. If you're asking to play like a different character, I don't know. It just to me, I was like, I mean, I mean, look, kind of makes sense to me. <laughs> well, well, look, what Jeff Johns said, what Jeff Johns said was that I don't think of Superman as having a black grandfather. I think of Superman, Superman's grandfather, looking like a young Henry Cavill, right? And that's kind of what he wanted to do. They, Krypton was on the air. It was a decent watch. It did not stand the test of time. The show was gone. Um, look, I hear you. I do. I think it's probably bullshit. Meaning, it, I think, it might be. Like, I think. I think. It, when I say bullshit, I mean. It's not as big of a deal. It's not as big of a deal. This is the frustrating part about it. It's only a big deal because they said no because he's black. If they had cast this guy, right, who went on to become a television star, if they had been, if they had cast him, people would have been like, for one second, would have been like, how does Superman have a black grandfather? And that would have actually added intrigue to the show. The fact that Superman had a black grandfather or, by the way, 
This is Krypton. This is a fictional planet in a fictional universe, in a fictional galaxy. We don't know how race works there. We're not on Earth. We're not on Earth, okay? They also wanted to apparently bring a bisexual character into the, a gay or bisexual character into the the show. And Jeff Johns wasn't cool with that either. Um, But I guess there's just a million ways to explain it and one way to not explain it, which is we don't want it because he's black. Is that a, is that what he actually said? Or he said, I no, guess- no. What he what he said was that he didn't see a, this. All of these are allegations, right? This is all what. Right. So what he said was that he didn't see Superman's grandfather as being black. He sees Superman's grandfather, like I said, as being a young Henry Cavill, which I guess makes a lot of sense. I don't think that viewers would be turned off because Superman no, had wouldn't. a black grandfather. I really don't. I really don't think that that that's going to matter in Krypton, which is the show about characters who we are all much less familiar with, right? There are some people there that keep that keep popping up, but we're all much less familiar with them anyway. So that's the point. That's the kind of shit to me where you start getting wacky, go crazy, get get like maybe he's not as creative as like you. beginning wacky. Go go crazy. Jeff Johns is one of the finest comic book. No, writers. I just mean like thinking outside of the like. Apparently, allegedly, he didn't want a gay or bisexual person either within it. So I, yeah. I mean, when I hear you say it that way, I'm like, yeah, I guess you could make up whatever you wanted to. That does make a lot of sense. But when I first read the story, I was like, I mean. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I guess I, I, huh. Let me ask you this. If we didn't know all the stuff that Ray Fisher had said, right? Which Ray Fisher has gone into detail about his experience. And there've actually been like Gal Gadot has said some things that have been that that she's felt a certain way um, with lines that were that they wanted her to read and um, derogatory comments that were made against Patty Jenkins, the director in Wonder Woman of Wonder Woman. Um, so if we didn't know any of that and you just heard this, would it have the same give you the same feeling would you or is it because it's coupled with all the other stuff we know it's it's probably because it's coupled with all the other stuff that we know but i do think what i'm waiting for is a time when people don't take shit and make shit worse Mm. it's just not that big of a deal it only becomes a big deal when you stand right there and say no superman can't have a black grandfather well of course he can superman ain't real and this is hard coming from me because I believed he was real for Aww. such a long time. Superman ain't real. Superman can have whatever we say he can have. If we, if right now I want to write a, right now if I want to write a comic called Superman: Darkness Cometh, where Clark Kent wakes up. By the way, this is a good idea. It just popped up in my head. Where Clark Kent wakes up one day and looks at his left hand. And realizes that he's turning black. <laughs> and what did and you call it? Darkness is darkness, coming. Superman. <laughs> darkness cometh. And over the next X amount of days, Superman just continuously, for some reason, turns into a black man, right? And he has to deal with the fact that he is now not just he's overnight black. He is the world's foremost hero. He's this, he's that. I could write that. 
We and were, then you'd have to react. People would think that he was pretending to be Superman. That's the thing. It would right. be this whole, it would be whole, be a whole thing. Like, thing. You're not Superman. Superman is white. Superman is white. And it would turn the entire archetype of Superman on its ears. Would Lois Lane that. still be into him? We well, don't right, know. Right. Maybe she would be more into him. <laughs> like we like like we have we have we have absolutely zero clue. Because the beauty of comic books and the beauty of all of these stories is that you can do whatever you want, right? Now, is there something connected to Superman being a white guy, Batman being a white guy, and all of those things? Of course there is, right? Those characters, in their specific circumstances, sometimes are written specifically white. But this is a character that we, that we can do whatever we, we can do whatever we like. Good point. And the only thing that kind of stops us is the way we're looking at things on an earthly plane. I want to have Ray Fisher on because what Ray Fisher is talking about is very important. And I'm going to tell you guys this. Ray Fisher's been saying this for a very, very long time. Because of the Snyder Cut, he's been getting more uh, uh, more oxygen and more notoriety for it. But he has maintained this for a very long time. It's very important mm-hmm. that we talk about these working conditions and these environments and stuff like that. Let's take a break. All right. Uh, just a fascinating piece of audio. It's video too, but it's audio as well. Hubert Davis is a former player. <laughs> Rachel dropped her head at North Carolina who just accomplished something amazing. He, <laughs> he just, uh, Roy Williams, the coach in North Carolina who took over. I think there was a guy in between Roy Williams and Dean Smith. What was the guy's name? Matt something. Look that up. Who was the guy that took over for Dean Smith after Dean Smith retired? There definitely was a guy. Maybe a couple of guys. But I remember there was a guy that took over for Dean Smith. There might have been a couple of guys. But eventually, uh, Dean Smith was a legendary coach in North Carolina. Uh, Roy Roy Williams was a legendary coach at Kansas. He uh, left Kansas to take the North Carolina job. Um, and one of his ex-players, Hubert Davis, is now going to become the head coach at North Carolina. Huge deal. Congratulations to Hubert Davis. Hubert Davis, is, bl- Hubert Davis is black. All right, He becomes the first black coach in the history of North Carolina, which is one of the most legendary, if not the most legendary, History of North Carolina basketball, I should say. It's important. He's not the first black coach in the, in the history of the school. Oh, North Carolina basketball. North Carolina, North basketball. Carolina basketball. North Carolina basketball. Who was the coach in between Dean Smith? There, there were two. It was Bill Guthridge and Matt Doherty. Matt Doherty was the guy I was thinking about. Bill Guthridge was the guy I took over right there. Bill Guthridge and then Matt Doherty. Um, anyhow, uh, so there was a press conference introducing Hubert Davis, um, who we all remember from his time in the NBA and his time in college basketball. Uh, And this was what Hubert Davis had to say during his press conference that really got all the black Twitter sphere up in arms. It is significant, Steve. It's significant that I'm African-American and I'm the head coach here. I'm very proud to be African-American. But I'm also very proud that my wife is white. And I'm very proud that my three beautiful, unbelievable kids are a combination of both of us. UB. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Rachel. <sighs> Rachel, now here's the thing, Rachel. Okay, here's the thing. Let's just get it on out there. Okay. Let's just talk about it, Rachel. Don't get defensive. All right. That's what I was gonna say. 
like you. This is <laughs> this, it, y'all. You don't understand on a personal level. Now, obviously, at this point, we all know that my husband is not black. Okay, hold on for a second. Let me let me put you like this. Rachel's married to a white man. Yes, but <laughs> Colombian. <laughs> Okay. I just okay. like to yeah. add that in. I, he know, is a Latino. Okay? He's got a little flavor in there. Okay, cool. Okay. Just give, just give him a little, just give him a little flavor, a little spice. Um, when I see comments or hear comments like this, this is the kind of stuff that makes people in interracial relationships always feel like they got to be on the defense. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's stupid comments like this because it becomes representative of how all people in in interracial relationships are. Because I think it's human nature that we constantly deem groups of people as as monolithic, especially when you're unfamiliar with those groups. So it's like, oh, this black, black person does this. So this black person does this. This Asian person does this. This Asian person thinks like this. If this interracial couple or man in a relationship, things like this, then they all probably feel that way. And I am here to tell you that that is not the case. I hate, I cringed when I saw it. I thought, oh my God, I would never, I would never say this. And first of all, you called him black. Let's give the man his respect. He don't want to be called that black. The question uh, dealt with him being a black man and Uh the first black head coach at UNC. Uh And he responded back saying that he was African-American. Didn't even... Twice. Twice. Okay. Didn't want to be called black. Um, <laughs> I just, listen, the, he was asked a question about it being historic. He did not answer the question. His response was unnecessary. Nobody asked for that. It was weird. The fact that he had to articulate his pride of being with a white wife and the fact that he has mixed children, it's just all unnecessary. It's so wrong. It was just, it, it was almost like he was so uncomfortable to talk about the, fl- the fact that he was black. Mm-hmm. He just had to let people also know. But just so y'all know, I also got a white wife and I got mixed kids. Mm-hmm. I, I, just the, so, the, the need for him I'm, to let everybody know. By the way, I, I'm very proud of Hubert Davis. Um, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his. Uh, uh, I'm I'm happy that he's a great family man, and all of those stuff. And he should be proud of his wife and his kids. Having said that, I think it's pretty obvious <laughs> that Hubert Davis is a he, Hubert Davis is a white man's nigga. I think I think I mean, just just to be honest with you, like I think look I I think it's I think it's I think it's pretty obvious. That Hubert Davis is a white man's nigga. I mean, because he was the reason why I say that, and that's, and I, I think he's comfortable there, and I'm happy for him, right? He's very um, comfortable. But and I'm not. I don't mean to, I hate to do this, but I I just got to be honest here. So that's not what we were talking about. There's a very specific... He's allowed to talk about whatever he wants to talk about, right? right? He's allowed to... He's allowed to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. Somebody asked Hubert Huber Davis, hey, Hubert Davis, is it going to be cold out today? Hubert Davis is allowed to say, just to let you know, my wife is white. He's allowed. People... He's allowed to... People are allowed to ask Hubert Davis, hey, man, we got a pizza coming. Um, what you want on the pizza, Hubert? Hubert is allowed to say... I don't know. Let me call my white wife <laughs> and ask her what she wants on the pizza. Hey, Hubert, 
Hubert, we're thinking about going to Disneyland. That's great. My wife is Caucasian. The end. He's allowed to do that. The question is why? Why did Hubert Davis feel the need at that particular point in the press conference to let people know, yeah, I'm black, but I'm also a little white. And this is not in any way to say that he should ha- that he should be hiding or anything like that. The fact, and there's a lot of people who do that, by the way, that hide white fiancés, white husbands, white wives, because whatever, there's a... No, shut up, Rick. <laughs> oh, she did it! I knew it. Um, there's a lot of people who do that. But he shouldn't... Ha- and, and that is, in and of itself, that is a commentary on how far we've lost our way as well. If you're in love, you're in love. Love who right. you want to love. Marry who you want to be married and be proud of that. But you, you want to take the oxygen out of the significance of your accomplishment as a black man to let people know that African-American, excuse me, that you're safe or that you're familiar or that it's okay. Cause I am black, but I got a white wife and I got uh, mixed kids and I'm proud and, of them too. And just to let y'all know, this was almost a 40 minute press conference. And this was the last thing he said. It's almost like he could, he couldn't leave without letting y'all know. He's got a white wife and mixed kids. And, and, and look, once again, he's in love and he married who I'm sure is a, a, a great lady and has great kids. But that's that's telling to me. Yes. It's almost as if he it was like he was trying too hard to please everybody. It's like he had, it felt like he had to say it to not be too black. That's the thing. It's almost as if he, almost as if he like all lives mattered it. Do you understand what I'm saying? A little bit, right. Like we all, like just so y'all know, I'm not just black. I'm I'm connected to my white folks in the room too. It's like he was trying to prove himself. It's like the, the, the reality, it's like you didn't have, you don't have to do all that. You're going out of your way to be palatable, to, to be safe, to be accepted. Yeah. Where people are, they're celebrating you for what you've accomplished as you. That is a sad state of affairs. Just a sad, I, I, I hope. I don't know what I hope. I think I know what I, good luck, North Carolina. Good luck, Hubert Davis. I just want to see Hubert Davis use this in more other places. I want to see people say, hey, Hubert Davis, you know, Duke was really getting to the lane a lot. Uh, until you guys changed to the zone. You, know, you guys changed to the zone and you were able to keep Duke out shooting on the perimeter. I want Hubert Davis to come back and be like, yeah, my wife is white. Listen, stop. Let you, no, <laughs> he did that. Listen. I don't know what you're talking about with basketball. Stop trying to make white thing, people feel comfortable. I'm proud that my wife is stop. white. Stop. Hubert Davis like in the drive-thru. deep-rooted. At deeply KFC. Rooted. Stop. Deep-rooted. KFC. Take your order. Yeah, so I can bring it home to my white wife. All right, uh, June 15th. Pew-pew! Yo, when I, when I do my pew-pew, that is a, um, that's a shout-out to the Ringerverse, my homeboy, Charles Holmes. Ringerverse, we're the Midnight Boys. Pew-pew! Falcon and Winter Soldier every Friday on the Ringerverse. Then Tuesday over on the Ringerverse, uh, Mallory Rubin has her deep dive show with all of your deep dives and your mailbag questions. We're having a lot of fun. We're being nerds. We don't care. We the Midnight Boys. Okay. Uh, now, this time I'm talking about Pew Pew because it's going down this summer. Uh, 
uh, uh, uh, uh. California is reopened June 15th. Uh, Rachel, uh, uh, Rachel, June 15th, California opens all the way up. That's what Governor Newsom said. He says we are on track and we are. The COVID numbers in California look better every single day. June 15th, it looks like California will be ready to open up. Um, obviously, I don't think people will stop wearing masks. I don't think that things are going to go. I do. 100%. There's a mask mandate still. That's staying. So there's a mask mandate. So I don't think things are going to go 100% back to normal, but California will be open. Basically, open up June 15th. Rachel, your thoughts? I'm a little nervous. I don't know about you, but I just, we haven't been in big crowds around a lot of people in a really long time. I'm a little, I feel like I'm a little, be a little socially awkward. Uh-huh. To be in those type of settings. Uh-huh. I mean, also, let's remember, they said as long as there are enough vaccines and numbers don't go up, that that date will stay the same. So let's I, I fear that people are going to get too excited, anticipating the, the coming of June 15th, that they're just going to go ahead and just do their thing even before. I don't know. I mean, I guess it I have yet to really experience what L.A. is. Um, I haven't had the traffic. I haven't, you know, there's been no events. I haven't been on the scene. Even my job at Extra is very different because we're here. We have office hours as opposed to being in the field, which is how things will be for me. So I'm a little excited because I'm going to get to experience what this city really is about slowly but surely as things get back to normal. And then, honestly, I'm excited because that means we'll be doing this podcast in person for the first time ever. We've never done an in-person podcast. Gang members, two gang members. Um, yeah, so here's the deal. I, I posted this and I thought it would be, I thought people would have a lot more of a positive reaction to it. I understand that there are still people who are concerned about opening it up, right? I guess my question to people who think this is too soon is very simple. And I, you feel free to answer the question. What's not too soon? People told people told talk to me. Uh, very smart people, by the way, told me about how long the Spanish flu lasted. Uh, it lasted two years, um, and there were I think four waves of the Spanish flu. I don't don't quote me on that, but that's what people were saying. I haven't verified that. Uh, so then I guess the question is: We stay inside until mid-2022. Is that what people were telling you? I don't... They weren't saying anything. Okay. They weren't. They, they weren't saying what to do. They were saying, well, like, what we can't do, which is open up. Well, the, the governor's... The, like, so what the governor was talking about... And look, I understand. I get that. What the governor was talking about was, you know, California will be opening up the vaccinations, uh, I think, next week to, to everyone who wants the vaccination. There's a lot of people who are already vaccinated. That's two months to get a large percentage of the state vaccinated. Um, the vaccinations plus people who are, who've had COVID might get us to some form of herd. So I'll just be honest. You know, I, I've been vaccinated and stuff like that, but so I'm, I'm ready to get back outside, of course, but I want everyone to be safe. It's not about me. But I got to be real, man. This has been so hard for me. Like, I, man, you guys, man, I'm struggling. 
Like, it's like, this is, the, I know I laugh about it a lot, but this has been difficult, man. This has been really, really hard. Like the hardest times of my life and I've been through some shit. Just all of this, it's like every fucking day is something, man. Just every fucking day keeping track of who died. Fucking DMX. It's like every fucking day is something. And I might, I just want to, I don't know, man. Well, then this is a beautiful thing for you because you can see for the first time, maybe even ever since the pandemic, you can see, not saying that all our problems are wiped away, but there is something to look towards, right? There's a there's a date when things will change, when things open up a little bit more. So I think, so like for anybody else who feels like you do, who's really been struggling and going through it, then this is a positive. And it means it's progress. And it means we're moving towards a like a better place. So I, I think that that's, I, I'm interested because when you were talking about people who were saying that they were scared or they don't, it's too soon. Are these people who are not going to get vaccinated? Well, is it coming people, from vaccinated it was, people? It was just people saying, and look, not everybody can even get vaccinated right now. The vaccine still has to be rolled out to some communities that need it. And I understand it. I don't want even one person to get sick and pass away because of COVID. I really don't. Right. I'm just I'm just wondering, like at some point, like I'm start I like I don't think you should the, feel bad. I, yeah, it's just like I'm like I don't. It's gotta open I, up eventually. I, I, and, yeah. that, and and we're listening. I don't know how to be responsible about it. I want you know what? This is another time we're gonna reach out to somebody. Anybody who disagrees with opening up California on June 15th. And has data to support. I'm not saying come on here and prove it. I'm saying talk to me. Well, like, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. But at the same time, we've got vaccines that are going to be available to anybody who can get them. I can't announce this yet, but there's something that's coming in the couple of weeks where somebody is going to be providing transportation to people to get these who can't, who maybe can't get to these places. There's going to be free transportation that's provided to these people to get vaccines. There are going to be, there are things put in place for people to get the vaccine, to create this herd immunity. And so I don't think that it's irresponsible to be excited about June 15th coming for California when people are doing things to make, to protect themselves against this virus. Okay. I'm with it. I'm with it. So I'm 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 cautiously optimistic and sure. quietly hopeful, but I don't want anybody to get sick, and I want everybody to to take COVID seriously because it's real. All right, all right, let's go. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters, and then we'll reply to them. Oh. It's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. All right. Come on, Jackson. From Kyle Fauche, what are your three go-to toppings on an ice cream sundae? Oh, come on now. You don't, I don't, you don't need, need ice cream. You don't need ice cream? For real? But let's just say, yeah, let's just say I had a sorbet. Fine. No dairy. No dairy. Okay, so chocolate. But it has to be chocolate, right? That's the Sunday. It's not. So a I'm Sunday just gonna do chocolate. random toppings. No, you could you could have a Sunday with like whipped cream and sprinkles and whatever and okay. caramel. So you don't need to be chocolate. It, so then it's chocolate, okay? It's caramel, and it's 
Cheesecake bites. I gave wow. me some cheesecake bites, <laughs> and daddy gonna put on some weight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, sprinkles, gummy bears, and gummy I hate worms. gummy bears on it. The gummy bears be so hard when they put on that. They shit, are bro. hard, I'm, but I'm I like bed. to like. But I you like I don't gummy know, bears? I like to, like, no, I like gummy bears normally, not an ice cream. Because they, they're, like so, they're so hard. They become, they become ice cubes. They're like bricks. Yeah, it. it's like, I hate it. I, I, I love I hate it. I like it. the crunch. Oh, there's a place. There's a place. Uh, the crunch. Like, who's like, gummy bears. I, I like my gummy bears crunchy. Crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, they I, get I, hard. I like it. <laughs> be careful, Rachel. I know. I stopped. Uh, uh, yeah, I like, be, like, be careful. Just be careful. Uh, um, there's this place on the corner of... Uh, Hollywood and La Brea called Cantaloupe. Cantaloupe frozen yolk. Fantasia. Uh, and we should go there because it's really good. And they got all those little things on there. They got the yogurts for you and they got all the toppings and stuff like that. I saw Leonardo DiCaprio in there one time. He was super cool. He was just in there randomly. He was getting some frozen yogurt. Him and Bar Raffaelli. They were in there. I was like, what's up? What's up, Leo? He was and like, he what's said- popping, fam? Okay. <laughs> What's the, What's the next question? <laughs> uh, okay. Sharp left turn. From Emily Mott. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Or if you can't think of one, just one that you've really stuck with you for a long time. Yeah, I can't think of. Uh, what's the best piece of advice I've ever received? What a good question. It was, it was, from, it was from my mom. And, uh, like, when I was going into, I think I've told this before, when I was getting moved into the the, the program that I was in, she realized that a lot of my classmates were going to be white, right? And she was like, most of the, because they give you the demographics, they break down, okay, you're in the gifted program now, so most of your classmates are going to be white. And my mother, she, uh, I don't know if she remember saying this, but I remember it stuck out to me. Maybe it wasn't before, it was at some point. Um, I remember she she took me and she was like, I want you to remember something. I want you to remember to always believe in who you are and what came before you. And she was like, you can never figure, you can never forget that. You can never like lose sight of that. She goes, your lips are full for a reason. Like your nose is wide for a reason. She was like, like, don't cower. Like, go inside of a place and be you. Like, I'll, I don't want any version of my son coming back in here that's not fully my son. Like, you're beautiful. Even if they don't think you're beautiful, like, you're beautiful. And I remember very, I remember saying, people would say, uh, Van is whatever, Van whatever. And I would be like, whatever, my mom thinks I'm handsome. And I Aww. carried that, like, all the way through me with my life. Like, my mom, she's like, my mom would look at me and she'd be like, boy, boy, you are so handsome. You look just like your daddy. And after a while, I know it's, it's, it's not so much advice, but I guess the advice was always like be unrelenting in who you are and because that's how she was. But she just never let me, even in times where I didn't feel the best about myself, she never let me get lost in the fact that I was supposed to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. She like really drove home that I was on purpose. That's so important to learn that at such a young age. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. especially living out here, and and I guess 
the advice, what's coming to mind for me is something my mother always says, and she still says it to me to this day. Your parents are very good at checking you, keeping you humble, bringing you down when they think maybe like things are getting to you in a certain way. And my mom always says, know who you are and know whose you are. Right. And so that always sticks with me because and that's something she said to me when I went on The Bachelor, Bachelorette, because I was going to be disconnected from the world and I didn't have my parents, you know, or family friends to uh, lean on in that situation. And it was like, trust yourself, trust your gut, know who you are. Don't let other people define you, but then also know whose you are. She's coming from a biblical uh, perspective with that. But then also just like you don't need to prove yourself and attach yourself or belong to something else. So anyways, yeah. yeah. My mom's going to love hearing that on the podcast, by the way. She's great. She's great. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh, next question, Jackson? Sure. Uh, this one's from Stephanie Phelps. Who would, you, who would play you in a movie about your life? I think we should do this two ways where you can pick someone for yourself and then pick someone for the other person. Like Van's going to say who he, think, he thinks should play himself. Then Rachel can say who she thinks should play Van. So Rachel, Tika Sumter will play Rachel. Really? I really like that. Yeah, Tika Sumter. Tika Sumter plays Rachel. The story. The, okay. oh, for the trailer I did, Big Rach. Big Rach. I like Tika. I never thought about Tika. Tika Sumter. Tika Sumter is, Tika Sumter is Rachel Lindsay. God, who would I say for you? Tika Sumter. For me... This is a great question, by the way. Yeah. For me... Huh. I feel I'm, like you've thought about this. I have Winston Duke. No, no, absolutely not. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's not who I was going to say. My oh man, my God, Winston. Who? My Winston Duke. Winston Duke, he's, he's bigger I than me. I know exactly but who Winston Duke is. I think Winston Duke is Van Lathan. You know, Winston Duke is Oh my gosh, Van there is somebody, and you I see? cannot think of who it is. This is going to bother me. So you know how the movie goes? You know how my movie goes? My movie starts oh, at the Con- written it? Okay. My movie starts at the Kanye moment. That's where that's the begin that's the first scene of the movie. And then the whole movie is centered around. So this is my movie. This is the movie of my life right now. The movie starts at the Kanye moment. So this is what happened at the Kanye moment. So after the Kanye moment, I thought I was in a whole shitload of trouble. Right? Okay. I didn't really know. So I left the office and I went on a walk and I called Charlemagne. And me and him had this long, like hour and a half conversation. So the movie starts with the Kanye moment. And then when I get outside and I call Charlemagne, I start talking to him about different points in my life, different things that happen into my life, right? And his conversation brings us into different scenes in my life. And by the time I've walked all the way back around, I feel good about going back into the office. I go back into the office. I look down wow. at my phone, see it going crazy. And then that's the end of the movie. That's the biopic. And high, you, high learning really is not in th- your movie. Huh? <laughs> high learning is not in your movie, huh? It ends no. with the Kanye moment. It's over. No. Well, well, that would be, it's like, yeah. I mean, I mean, my biopic is not yet written. He said, yeah. My, my life is not yet written. But if I was going to do it, I would do it in a structure like that. Because I, I think life to death biopics are stupid. I, I, you can't put somebody's whole life into like that thing. They almost always, they don't work. But if you take a flashpoint point, a flashpoint incident, place in their life, and you weave a narrative around it, I think those work better. 
Mm. I like it. The structure is good. Winston, I'm looking at Winston Duke. It's still a no for me. Um, okay, <laughs> for myself, I would have picked. I would have picked. Well, I guess Robin Givens would be too old. Oh, she'd have been perfect, um, but yeah, she can't do it Robin, now. By the way, maybe, 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 I uh, maybe like um, maybe Rihanna, maybe, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, wait, I'm sure. <laughs> maybe. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Look on Ben's face. <laughs> oh my God! If you can be Winston Duke, I can, Rihanna can play me. Man, I love Winston to death. You know damn well. Winston better looking than me. You went to the you. And you Rihanna's to, better looking than me. But you you shot for the star. I'm not saying I didn't look, say you, I was talented like Rihanna or anything like that. I've just picked Rihanna. Okay. Well, damn. A girl can dream. Well, look, 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 hey, look! It's all, it's all, it's all, it's all good. Oh, remember that NC Hammer shit? Hey, remember that? Hey, it's all good. You remember that? MC okay, Hammer. Oh, I have your person. Hey. It would Ooh. be Jarrell Jerome. Oh, I love him. Great actor. He's not big enough. Well, okay. He's not big enough. He can get bigger. Four. Can't angles can make you look bigger. It's too I'm hard to find somebody that's six, too, it's, too, it's too hard to find somebody who's tall as you. They Winston have, du- Winston, they Duke, have, Winston Duke taller. I'm not gonna pick Winston Duke just because he's tall. He's tall. Jarrell, Jarrell Jerome. That was a good one. That's it. And Winston you're Duke. right. He's a fantastic hey, actor. You know what's crazy? I just got I just got a DM, and the DM is from this lady. She, she it's her 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 uh her Instagram handle is a wife and mommy of two. It says this at 3:56. So I don't know if we were talking about this before. She says started listening to the podcast about a month ago, and the person that will play you in the bio. Should be Trevor Jackson from Groundish. That's a no. Trevor is in a different world of <laughs> handsome than me. Like it doesn't even make any sense. Trevor tall. Well, that's did you Trevor tell her thank you? Is, I'm gonna tell her thank you in a second. First of all, thank you. Thank you, mommy of two. But Trevor is Trevor is one of the real good looking people. He's like in that same Renee J. Page group. All right. That's enough. Uh, Reggae. John. Reggae John. I was like, who is Renee Reggae, J. Page? R- Renee J. Page. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that dude is doing his thing. That dude yeah. is doing his thing. Yeah. Um, recent report, uh, it just got reported uh, that there has been no uh, change in DMX's condition. Um, his, uh, there hasn't been any change. It's not getting any better. So, it seems as if the family is starting to weigh their options a little bit. We don't have any more information than that right now. Uh, it, this it's Thursday at four thirty-two Pacific time. Um, I expect that there'll be some announcement made tomorrow. Maybe not, but it's like most things in life. All you can really do is pray. So, mm-hmm. prayers to his family. Prayers to DMX. Um, do you have an unexpected ally of the week? I don't. What I want to say is that there was another, as we're sitting here, you're giving the same time, there was another mass shooting just hours after Joe Biden signed executive orders on gun control in Texas, Bryan, Texas. They've now said that one person has been killed, several others injured. Just want to send out prayers, thoughts to the family that's been affected by this. I don't know if they've captured the suspect or not. But this is just getting ridiculous. Every week we're talking about a fucking mass shooting. 
It, it's yeah. it's. Yeah, I send I, out I, prayers too. I would really like to send out some solutions at some point. I don't. I don't know what to do. It's right. hours after an executive order. Hours. Somebody take goes to the streets and starts shooting random people. It's it's sick that this has become our norm. It's it's it is a disease. They need to get a hold of it. They need to fix it. I don't know what to do. I don't have the answers, but I hate as we sit here today, we're talking to you about another mass shooting. Somebody lost their life in a senseless way. <sighs> Very upsetting. Okay. Um, look, take think camps off. Do not stop learning. Love each other. Take breaks. Do all the things you need to do. I am Van Lathan. I'm Rachel Lindsay. We out. We out. 